every morning at this sitting period, we'll take the first few minutes to offer meditation instructions. And then most of the period will be silent sitting. So uh, to begin this morning, last night we talked about uh, bringing in the attitude of ease and relaxation. So I want to remind you, we'll actually mention this a number of times throughout the retreat. It's so important. It's often helpful to consciously, um, as you settle into your meditation posture, whatever it is for you, take a few moments and really Bring your attention into your body. Perhaps notice if there's any place of tension or holding. Sometimes our bodies won't allow us to find comfort, um, complete comfort, but we do the best we can. And if we see if we can find that balance between an uprightness, unless, of course, you need to lie down because you have back trouble, but uh, an uprightness, an alertness, but a sense of relaxed uprightness, not uh, attention. And perhaps noticing uh, just what's going on in your mind. If there's any worry, anxiety, again, we do the best we can to see if you can try to just relax. Don't want to create a struggle to try and relax if something else is going on, but just the best you can, see if you can bring in a little sense of ease, maybe taking a few quiet but deep calming breaths can help. And then when you're ready, letting your attention come to the experience of your body breathing. And in a very simple way, finding wherever it is in your body where you can connect with, feel, experience your body breathing the clearest and the easiest. For some people, that might be, you could, I'll name a few spots that you can try if, if you're not sure. Uh, for some people, it's the area of the nose. And it could be near the tip of the nose. Or for many people, it's further, deeper inside the nasal passages. So wh- wherever it is for you, the important thing is to f- not to find one place that you've read about in a book or someone says is the right place. The most important thing is to find what works best for you. And then you just rest your attention there, experiencing the, the air, 
the feeling of the cool air in and air in and out with each breath. For some people, it's clearest, easiest to connect with your breathing by putting your attention down in the belly. In which case you won't be feeling the air, but you experience your body breathing by the physical movement of your belly, you know, rising and falling, expanding and contracting like a balloon with each in and out breath. And you just rest there. Some people, the chest is a good place to connect. And I'll name one more, which is called whole body breathing. Whole body breathing does not literally mean your whole body. It's not including the arms and legs, but it's all a broader area in the body, any part of the body that's involved in the breathing process. So it can include from the nose, throat, chest, all the way down to the belly, it's the whole torso. And you don't have to feel the breathing in all of those places, but it's wherever in there you naturally pick up the feeling of breathing. Could be in the belly and up through the chest. Could be the nose down through the throat, maybe the chest. So however that naturally comes into your awareness. Working with your breathing at any of these places can lead to the deepest stages of concentration, opening up into insight. So if you're not sure, you just pick some place and give it a try. Stay with it for a while. If you need to experiment and shift, that's fine. And at some place, some point, settle into one place. And then without making a struggle or without pushing away any experience, It's a sense of allowing other experiences to stay in the background of your awareness and allowing the experience of breathing to be prominent in the foreground of your awareness. We're giving a certain amount of preference or emphasis to the experience of breathing more than other experiences. Later, we're going to talk about working with other experiences, but for now, Uh, keeping it simple with the breathing. And when your mind wanders away, don't make a problem about it. You know, it's going to happen. When you wake up and realize you've been gone, you just come back and start again. 
Some of us tend to be hard on ourselves or beat ourselves up when the mind wanders away and we create a suffering or a struggle. And so again, try your best to, to not fall into that and just come back. Even if you're lost and gone almost all the time, just by coming back and reconnecting with your breathing whenever you can remember is fully enough. It's fully doing the practice. The last instruction for this morning You can experiment with a particular technique that some people find helpful, which is the mental noting. Some of you know about it. And it's simply that with each in and out breath, you mentally say words with, say at the nose, you you might repeat the words in, out with each breath. Or at your belly, it could be rising, falling, or it could simply be breathing, breathing. The, the exact word's not important. So if that helps you stay, con- if, if repeating the, the, the noting, the words, helps you stay connected, then please use it. And if you don't like it, it doesn't work. You know, just let it go and just stay with the bare experience.
sometimes when we're new to well, this can be also for people who are experienced. But you know, if you're definitely if people are newer, you know, the idea of having the whole retreat looming it can just feel like too much. So one way to hold it is is that you know the whole retreat, every moment of all these days, it's not here. It's just this moment. It's just this one sit. So if we just take it moment by moment, one sitting period, one walking period, and kind of frame it in that way, it can make it uh, more feel more manageable, help us feel more relaxed if it really starts to feel like uh, too much. So that's just one thing. Also, um, I want to, we're going to open it up. Uh, so every morning at this time, um, it, for those of you, if you're, if you, if you end up practicing in your room or somewhere else during the day, which is fine, but uh, we encourage you to come to this sit because of the instructions. And then at, at the end, as we're going to do in a few moments, we'll have time to open it up for any questions. But just a few things first. Um, so, so far the instructions have been about mindfulness of breathing as a practice. And, um, for most people, I, I want to encourage you to try mindfulness of breathing, but it's actually not the best practice for everyone. And um, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but you know, if, 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 if you don't think mindfulness, if breath meditation is good for you, there's nothing wrong. It's just not the best fit. And there's many, many other practices. And any of them can, can go to the deeper stages of concentration, uh, and into insight. I know we haven't gotten into the details of what we're talking about by what concentration insight yet, but uh, and it's just a question of um, steering them properly. So uh, one I'll mention just briefly, we're not going to get into it in detail here in the hall, uh, but if you think one of these other practices might be a better fit, uh, you're welcome just to try it or just leave a note for Bob or for me and we'll, we'll be happy to talk with you individually about it. But just one I'll name is mindfulness of sound. So for some people, they just know either, either resting in really the hearing of outer sounds, and even though there's not much going on, perhaps, just whatever amount of sound there is, they just, they, that connection is just so clear and obvious that that's the, the practice. And so you may just have a sense of, oh yeah, I'm just drawn to that. So that's fine. And also there are people who hear uh, inner sounds, like it can be a ringing or whatever, and, and are just naturally drawn towards that. So that's one example of something that, that you can try. So, And if that's your practice here in the hall when we're giving general instructions and we keep saying breath, 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 well, you just translate it as sound. Or there might be people doing body scans or mantra practice. I mean, there's just so many kinds of practices. So, uh, and, and also just because you can't concentrate with the breath, that doesn't mean it's not a good practice for you. It just means your mind's not trained, and that's what we're working on. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that for now. Let us know if you need to talk about that more. Um, So um, now we have a few minutes to open it up. If there's any questions about so far, I know we're just getting warmed up here, but uh, any questions? Yes, please. This is more about my practice at home. Often, um, 
I warm up. I feel my body warm. Can you speak to that at all? I've always wondered. Yeah. I'll repeat the questions uh, so people can hear you. You're saying when you practice at home, sometimes your body heats up. I mean, physically you feel, that's, yeah. And you asked me if I can comment on that. Um, well, I mean, it could be many causes. I don't know, but these things can happen. And, but it, I'll just say there are so many experiences that can happen associated with meditation practice in case you haven't noticed. And it's highly individual. So all different kinds of things, energies can move in the body. Uh, sometimes pains can come. There's physical movements might come. Temperature. These, I don't know why things happen uh, in the heart, in the mind. And so just to know that it's probably not possible to name all the kinds of experiences emotionally, mentally, physically that can come associated with meditation for many, many reasons. And um, that's about the best I know to say about it. It's actually pretty good on a day like this. <laughs> it's about seven below zero or something like that. I also get a sense, too, that um, you know, with practice, we are intentionally connecting with the body and the mind. And so there's some sense of that type of connection. There's more circulation, more connection with this body. But as Richard said, yes, uh, many, many different reasons. But that, that's a common one that a number of people experiences some warmth. And that's to be observed, experienced, acknowledged as it comes and goes. And any other questions? Yes, please. Uh, eyes open or eyes closed. Um, in general, uh, I'll, I'll say eyes closed. Um, uh, well, but also, of course, so, so here's the real answer. Probably for most people, in support of, of, of quieting the mind down and just bringing our attention inward, closing the eyes is more supportive. Two things. One, there'll be a certain percentage of people for whom actually by closing your eyes, people sometimes feel less relaxed, like maybe there's some anxiety that comes up about if, if and we actually can drop deeper and be more relaxed with your eyes open. So obviously you have to see for yourself, it's one of these things where, so the invitation then is, yeah, probably for almost all of us eyes closed, but check it out for yourself. What supports you? You know, we keep saying to deepen, to settle. Some of you may go, well, what, what the heck is this deepening and settling that I hear about? But that's to be uh, uh, experienced, so we won't, we'll just leave it at undefined. But, you know, whatever helps us feel more relaxed, stable, present, calm, peaceful is the real answer. So thank you. Yes, please. I feel like I have a tendency to be drifting off, especially when my eyes are closed. I'm new to meditation, new to this retreat, but any tips you can give? Yeah. So when you say drifting off, do you mean you're, you're tending to fall asleep or, or space out? or? I'm sleeping. Yeah, you're kind of... Or something that feels like sleep. Right. 
So a couple of things about that. Uh, this question was just about any comments about having a tendency to fall asleep. So it could be a few, I don't know what's going on. It could be a number of things, but some of the, I'll name a couple of the just common things. One is you may just be sleepy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so it may be uh, that what you need to do is uh, take a nap, actually, and maybe not come to a few sits. And we want to be careful about that, saying that again, because, of course, you know, we can end up having a nice sort of sleep the retreat away. So we want to find the balance. But it's important, uh, again, you know, there's two schools of thought around that. One is, is that here's how much you sleep. You know, I've had many, many teachers will say, you know, well, you sleep six hours a night or whatever number they make. And it's kind of a one-size-fits-all. And that's one approach, a respected approach. And you... Um, I'm more the school of thought of, you know, your body knows how much sleep it needs. And to honor that. And that's different than being lazy and just lounging away in the bed. I mean, really. But so, you know, it's about, so I don't know the answer for you around that. But it may be, um, that's one thing. Another thing that can happen is, and also sometimes if we're busy in our lives, and, and uh, because People sometimes can be busy, and we, we sort of can cover over. Well, being busy can cover over a lot of things. It can cover over emotional, psychological, mental things that we don't pay attention to. Also, it can kind of cover over a tiredness, and then when we stop, that's what's really coming up. So, just to know that. Sometimes people get sleepy because there's actually something, I don't know, like emotionally or something deep that wants to come up, and there's a sort of, it may, we may not be conscious of an avoidance. I'm not, I don't know, but that, so then we just have to kind of feel into that and see. So there could be many, many causes. Um, as far as how to work with it, um, a range of possible approaches. Um, uh, we encourage people, actually, I'm glad you brought this up because an important point is, is knowing when to open our eyes if our eyes are closed, to bring in more energy. You know, kind of not making too much noise, but, you know, maybe quietly bringing in some deep, energizing breaths. Stand up is very important, and you'll, um, you know, you guys don't see, but up here, you know, once or twice in the sit, I'll open my eyes, I'll just kind of look out. I don't know what I'm looking for, but uh, just check out the room, and you'll see two or three or four people standing up almost every sit. That just helps them be more awake. So you can try some experiments. I've heard this came from some Burmese teacher, Bob. You might know that, but uh, I don't know if it's a Burmese kind of thing, but squeezing and pulling on your earlobes, I was told maybe there's some acupressure point. It does kind of hurt, so maybe that would, you know, wake you up a little. So, you know, you just do the best you can to bring in more energy. And we're going to say a little bit in a few moments about walking meditation. And that's very important because even if our bodies would allow us to sit still all day, our energy would sink. And moving our bodies is an energy balancer. So if we have too much energy and we're too agitated, it can help get energy out so we can be more settled to come back and have a clearer sit. And if our energy is too low, it can really bring up our energy. So you might want to also experiment with, during the walking period, even perhaps some brisk walking or whatever, normal speed, whatever, and, and really using it in a sense to kind of get your energy going. And the last thing I would offer is there's nothing wrong with the wise and skillful use of caffeine. Uh, you know, and again, you want to be tuned in whether it works for you or not. You don't want to 
be overdoing it. But so, you know, you just try, anything else on that? And you know, you just work with it the best you can. And then if all that doesn't work, then you, you know, enjoy your nap on the cushion. <laughs> and if you end up snoring, you know, we might come over and lightly tap you on the shoulder. And if that happens, uh, please don't feel embarrassed. It, you know, it happens sometimes. Actually, um, on my very first meditation retreat that I took many years ago, it was a, a sardine can, very tight meditation hall with many, many people. And I actually was tending to the wood stove, and I got it really hot in there. And it was after lunch, and I actually fell asleep while I was sitting, which is not the only time. But at this one time, I actually fell over, and I knocked flat the person next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. Things can happen. Yeah. And um, may we uh, care for this body. And, you know, as Richard said, I think that for many of us, I'll speak for myself as well, um, we may not even know how tired we are until we actually stop because we've become these human doings, if you will, and practices becoming into a human being again and as we get in touch with our being we may realize just how exhausted we are that we don't even know because it needs to be suppressed because we've got to go pick up the kids got to do the laundry have to go to work and so it's very common at the beginning of meditation retreats to feel a sense of sometimes what's known as sloth and torpor tiredness dreaminess and uh, this is to be worked with, and probably by the end of the retreat, all of us will have finally woken up. And then we'll go, now let's start meditating. <laughs> of course, this is a part of the practice. Mm. Yeah. All right. So uh, we don't have time for any more questions, but thank you. Let me just confer with Bob for a moment. Uh, just a, a few short announcements. Um, so starting tomorrow, there will be interviews and all the information later sometime today will get posted outside for that. So don't worry about it. Um, just something quick about um, something came up, a question about making eye contact. And so uh, I just want to offer that um, um, in general, you know, it's this idea, it's really a gift to ourselves and others to allow our awareness to come inward. And so we're, we're not particularly, so in a, that way it's kind of, it's not that social, right? Sometimes we make eye contact and it's just lovely, people are connecting. But we're also not uptight here, so it's not like, you know, if you make eye contact, it's a big, something went wrong. You know, it's going to happen, so just be relaxed, have, hopefully in a good space of your mind and heart. If you make a little eye contact, it's not a big deal. But in is a, a general sense, it's an idea of letting your awareness come inward and not looking to make eye contact, but just bring it in. And think of it as a gift you give to others. Again, not being uptight about it, but it's actually it's a gift to really giving them their own space and allowing yourself the gift of well, what happens if when I just let my attention really be involved inside myself more. So just kind of holding it lightly like that is a way that, I'd be just like to suggest. You know, just add one thing to that. Um, th this may be very evocative or provocative in the sense that um, 
the projections that we may put on, or thinking, gosh, this person's not looking at me, they don't like me, and so to be mindful of what it may evoke. And even for some, I remember working with a, a yogi actually here a few years ago who was actually silenced by her mother for one year. And so coming into a room and entering into a place of silence was very terrifying. And so we spent some time you know, working. This was very different than as a child, as a punishment. That's an extreme story, but being mindful as part of the practice of what is evoked here in the silence and at times the minimal eye contact. And also knowing, of course, that Richard and I are here, that if something comes up and you, you want to speak with us, you know, write us a note and we are very happy and honored to speak with you. Okay, great. Great. And then the last announcement is um, we'd like to make a shift from what I think when the, when the manager gave, when Marilyn gave her talk about requested that people stay seated until the teachers get up and leave. And they may have said something about, I don't know, sometimes it's once the teachers come in, don't enter the hall. I don't know if she said that or not. But, uh, and so be aware that that does tend to be kind of the culture around here. For other retreats, you'll want to be attuned to how they want to do it, but we want to uh, uh, not have that rule here. And so um, please don't wait. We're particularly asking you to, to not wait for, you know, we may want to sit up here and meditate longer, and then we're kind of stuck, and then you're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a selfish way to think about it, right? But anyway, so. It's out of compassion. Just, you know. That rule's gone, and just uh, and that and, would just be as our preference. And well, actually, also, I, I always like to say this. I mean, obviously, Richard and I are in the teacher's seat. However, we are students just like you, and no doubt they, they've put up this little thing higher. We're higher than you, but in our hearts, we are right together with yeah. you. So I just want to just name this sense of separation and barriers. Let them be dissolved, and it's a it's an honor. We it's out of our love of the Dharma that we are here practicing together with you and sharing. Yeah. Really, our ideal is to have one big circle that we're all yeah. in together, yeah. but eh, That's we've how got I this form, it. so we'll, yeah. we'll do that. All right, so we're going to move now into the walking period. I think most people here are very experienced with walking meditation, uh, but what I'd like to request, please be patient. I know some of you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to make it quick. Uh, but I want to ask you to stay here. It'll be five minutes or less when I give the walking instructions because I want to offer a style of walking practice that may be new even to some of you who are longtime meditators and just give you something to experiment with. So uh, first let me name the way that walking meditation is typically taught in a place like here or Spirit Rock in our scene. And that is, uh, you find, of course, I'm guessing not that many of you are going to be walking outside today, so it may be a little more crowded, but here in the hall, we don't want to do walking. We want to keep it just for the sit silent sitting. But anywhere else, you know, there's the low, I guess you've gotten the tour right down below is walking room, there are other walking spaces, hallways, dining hall, in your room. Uh, find wherever you want as a walking area. And you right out here is a walking area. And you want to just walk, find some place where you can walk back and forth. Uh, sometimes it's suggested not actually to find a place where you walk back and forth as opposed to going for a walk. Because sometimes when you go for a walk, it feels like there's some place to go. 
And if you're just you know, walking back and forth, you, pretty soon you get it, like there's, there's really no place to go. So that, and uh, the kind of typical way the, the practice is taught is uh, when we're doing the silent sit, we're, we're, we're talking about using our breathing kind of as a main place to put our attention. And then when we're walking, we shift that. And so we, we put our awareness actually in the feeling. It can be in the legs moving or tips oftentimes in the feeling of your feet touching on the ground. And that kind of replaces, if you will, the, the breath is sort of the main place you keep your attention. And you just, as you do your walking back and forth, you know, there's a lot more detail I can give, but you find whatever speed. Some people are very, very slow, normal speed, or even brisk walking. It, the speed doesn't matter. Let you, I, I suggest letting your body inform how it knows how fast it wants to move. So that's, we could say more about that. Bob might want to add something to that. But simple walking instructions, just keeping your mindfulness in your feet is the main object, if you will, and just walking back and forth. Um, and also an encouragement to, of course, you may want to go to the bathroom, you may want to get some tea or whatever, but uh, there can be a tendency sometimes to kind of blow off the walking. And um, uh, I would like to invite you to not blow off the walking and, and, give, and see really what happens if I really use the form, do the sitting, do the walking. It's that continuity of mindfulness that really builds a, the strong momentum for the concentration and for this deepening of mindfulness. That was kind of quick, but I hope it was simple and, you know, it's not complicated to do walking meditate. Well, it, you know, simple things can feel complicated. That's another story. So here's what I want to offer that might be a little different from that. And this, it, you don't have to do this. It's just an experiment is, you know, Bob was talking last night about bringing this continuity of mindfulness the best we can through all our activities. One uh, practice you can try is letting the awareness of breathing stay as kind of a primary place of working, even in the walking, brushing your teeth, daily activities, and everything you're doing, and see what it's like to carry that breath meditation as your primary practice through everything you're doing. It's a little different feel. Um, how you do that, you may have to experiment with a little bit. So don't make a struggle. It might not be for you. It has two advantages if you want to try it. Two, I shouldn't say that because it's not an advantage for everyone, but it has two potentials. One is in service of the deepening concentration, it keeps that continuity of, of breath going through the day, although you can get very concentrated just keeping your attention on your feet too, so don't worry about that. And the second thing is sometimes people find that the breath can, as, as we, as, especially as we deepen the concentration, acts as a stabilizing factor to more deeply enable us to stay connected in the present moment with our walking, with our eating, with our bathing or brushing our teeth or whatever we're doing. So. I could say a lot more about it, but I just want to kind of put it out there and mostly let you, we'll have time for Q&A if you, if, if you want to explore more. I'm not, I'm not getting how to do this. How do I do this? Give it a try. Last thing about that, um, oftentimes people will find 
depending on how much natural concentration you're bringing into the retreat with you, if the mind's not settled, it can feel more challenging to carry the breath through in everything else you're doing because there's all this other flood of experience happening much more strongly than when we're sitting quietly. It's harder to keep the breath in mind. And sometimes people find that as they settle and get more concentrated, it's much naturally much more easy. So you can see for yourself, just don't make a struggle about it. Hold it lightly and see what happens if you just keep breath going and then experiment. You want to say anything else, Bob, on that? So I want to just speak to the continuity. And um, in this way, I also feel that the practice will really grow and flourish. And so sometimes we separate. I'm sitting, and then I go to where I'm going to walk, and then I begin the walking meditation. And we forget about being mindful of the getting up from the sitting and the walking to the place that we're going to do the walking meditation. Or we are doing the walking meditation, then we have to go to the toilet and wash our face, and then we'll come back to the walking meditation and do meditation then. And so what I really want to encourage is to bring this mindfulness to everything. And of course, we will not be mindful every single moment, and there's no need to be discouraged by that. We are in training. A baby does not get discouraged in its efforts to want to become a biped and walk. So the same way, we take this as a practice, but find if we can cultivate these mindfulness in our activities. In the teachings of the mindfulness of the body, there's the mindfulness of the breath, the mindfulness of the postures, there's four of them. Lying, standing, sitting, walking, and being mindful in between each of them. Being mindful of the activities of day-to-day living. And so let us cultivate the sense of practice, that the practice is everything that we do. It's not like we sit, and then we walk, and then we are not meditating. So we're trying to develop this sense of continuity of mindfulness in all that we do. So thank you, and um, we will continue on. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.